If you are a powerful, impactful, influential leader, it is your job to create clarity even when you cannot see. The only true competitor in the infinite game is yourself. The leader of the team has to go first. So where do ideas come from? Welcome to Nordic Business Forum Audio, the podcast that empowers leaders to change the world. I'm Heli, and this episode features Rachel Botsman, a leading researcher and author on trust. Soon, she will discuss some of the challenges and benefits related to trust in the modern world. The interview is a recording from Nordic Business Forum Helsinki in 2017. Enjoy. the global authority on the power of collaboration and trust enabled by digital technologies uh, to change the way we live, work, bank, and consume. She's author, uh, also the author of Who Can You Trust and other books and a lecturer at Oxford. Rachel, it's a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Uh, Rachel, I've, I've got a couple of questions, uh, but I just watched your talk, and if you didn't see the talk, well, uh, I'll, I'll, you'll, you'll get it from context. You said uh, efficiency doesn't work so well with trust, that, yeah. that, that proper trust requires some friction. I, I was reminded uh, of two things. One is that every tech event I'm at, someone says, we got to be more careful with our passwords, mm. but no one's careful with passwords. Mm. Also, the end of uh, the, the girl with the dragon tattoo, mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that movie, very disturbing movie, but uh, where the killer says, so many people die because they don't want to you know, have the social discomfort. My question to you is, what's more human nature, establishing mm. trust or being too lazy to establish trust? No, I think what is human nature is actually to give our trust away very easily. And we're also physical creatures. So when we can't see what we're giving up or giving away, it accelerates that process. And the challenge that we've got with technology is that it makes things more seamless, more invisible. So the easiest example is like when you accept terms and conditions, like you're not aware of the trade-off, but every time you click and accept those things, you some way place your trust, whether it be an Apple or Google or Amazon, whoever it is, that they're going to use your data in a respectful way. So I think the challenge is that the way we design these things, and, and, and understandably so, is to make them with less friction, so we just are in this automatic accelerated mode and that we can move very, very quickly, whereas to make good trust decisions, we actually have to slow down a little bit. Right, I feel like the, uh, when you get the terms and conditions, it's kind of like your wedding vow where you're very nervous, you want this to get through, you don't really listen, you just check, I do. I, <laughs> I never read them. I mean, I'm as lazy your as... Your wedding it. vows? No, I, I they're somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you know, the funny thing is, um, I was, um, the day I got married was the day Lehman Brothers crashed. And so I was at my wedding, and I was saying my vows, which is like one institution, and then I was like, why are some of my friends on the phones in the middle of my wedding, it's because they work for the banks and they oh. realize they might not have jobs the next day. But anyway, that's a side note. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really hard to actually, and you don't want people to become less trusting because that's not good for society. We want a high trust culture, but it's just, and it, it gets even more exaggerated when we enter AI, when we don't know if we're trusting a human being or if we're trusting a bot. Well, let me, let me get to AI in a second, but first let me just talk about, about big tech companies. Uh, do, are people trusting them more or are they trusting them less? And if it's less, what does that mean for companies like Uber just bumped out of, uh, out of London, uh, yeah. Airbnb? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I find pendulum swings really interesting in society. And um, 
you know, the pendulum has definitely swung. And I honestly cannot, you know, I'm amazed at the degree of negativity and cynicism. Like, some of it is warranted, um, but not all of it. And so you start to ask yourself, like, why have they become almost like the next bank? Like, why have the tech companies become this target for distrust in society? And I think it's largely because people have now become nervous about these black box systems and what happens within them. And we only start to really question things when we can see the consequence. So I don't think we should underestimate, you know, the election of that man in the White House um, and Facebook's potential role on that, the halo effect that had on, on other tech companies, it, it's not just about Facebook. It's saying, like, you have a monopoly over people's time and information. Are you using that in the right way? But don't you think, I mean, because I'm a big fan of tech, and I, you know, I, I, but, but, I mean, anyway, I slice it when people find out, hey, I, I checked that box, and now you've sold my data. Like, that's not a pendulum swing, and that's, we figured out that you've been lying to us a little bit and abusing us a little bit. Well, they say they weren't lying to us, it just, we didn't ask the question. And it, it's a really tricky situation, right? Because I think it's like... It's lying by omission, wouldn't you say? Right, lying, and, and we're very fickle creatures, right? So I, I love Netflix, right? And I love the recommendation engine, and I know that that's data-driven, but do I ever ask myself, well, how does Netflix sell that data on? I don't ask that question because I want the convenience and the personalization. So this is the challenge that I think we hmm. face is that, you know, we want the benefit without thinking of the consequence. And um, like there was a story that ran the other day, which I thought was brilliant, where this woman um, basically asked Tinder for, she wanted her information from Tinder, all the information that they had on her. And she didn't realize that an 800 page report was gonna come back. And this wasn't just like everything she had said on Tinder and who she looked at and who she'd interacted with. This was all her pictures on Instagram, all her messages on WhatsApp. and she was like, I, I didn't realize I was living in this surveillance society. I thought I was using a dating app. Of course, it's more, it's more uh, Brave New World surveillance than 1984 surveillance. I mean, we invite the cameras in. We put them in our pockets. Like, do you think people are going to turn on the way we basically invite people to know everything about us? No, I think it's... Um you know, one of the most frightening... I don't know if anyone watches Black Mirror. Is Black Mirror big in? I do. Well, it's... I, I mean, it's big in, in, in certain pessimist nerd communities. And I'm, <laughs> I, I live there. I don't watch it before you go to bed. Like, it just no. freaks me out. No. But um, there is one of... It relates to your question. There's a wonderful episode called Nosedive, where yeah. she's living in this world, uh, and she's constantly rating everyone and everything, and her score really determines what she can do, whether, you know, she can buy that apartment, and... I think that's the world we're heading into. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, people say, oh, there's no way we're going to have a trust score. But in China, they've just made it mandatory. But by 2020, every citizen is going to have a trust score. And that is linked to what you say on social media, but also what you buy. I mean, you got to say, and I don't want to name that fellow in the White House by name if I don't have to, but, uh, but he, he, he runs a whole campaign based on, I got more likes than you, thus I must be right. You know? Well, the funny thing is, and, and I think this is probably the only compliment I'll ever give him, is that he actually really understands trust. He understands how trust can, no pun intended, trump the truth. I mean, like his whole campaign was I kind built. of feel like the pun was intended. <laughs> no, it wasn't intended. <laughs> I kind of feel it like wasn't. it was intended. It wasn't. It was like he understands how, you know, in an environment where many people are disenchanted and they're tired, like how feelings speak to people more than facts. 
But I mean, but you say he, he understands trust. I say he's a manipulative con man he's not that knows how to lie to desperate people. He's not trustworthy, but um, he knows how to earn people's trust. I don't know he knows how to keep it. And that's a really good, big point because people often say, well, how do we rebuild trust? It's a terrible goal. Yeah. Too much trust in the wrong people in the wrong places is not the aim. We actually want to build a more trustworthy society. Yeah, I, I sort of think that involves the friction you were talking about earlier. It, it does. But let me ask, let me ask a, a, go back to a tech question, which is, are there companies in the, uh, the, the, the collaborative economy, the sharing economy that you don't trust, and, and, and who are they and why? <laughs> um, God, you really put me on the spot. Like, well, that's, so you know, that's the thing. I, <laughs> <laughs> we can go back to your wedding vows, if you like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I won't name them by name, um, but there are a few, and the ones I don't trust are the ones that believe the behavior of the company, the way the company behaves and the culture of the company has no influence as to what happens on the platforms. Has no influence. No, so they think like so we can Uber. No, no, I mean, I'm not pointing <laughs> the finger at Uber because there are others. Another really good example is like, um, well, we can change pricing at a tap of a button, right? So there's a marketplace out there where people are very dependent on that income, um, you know, whether they're gig workers or full-time workers, and they just change the, the amount the platform was going to take from 15 to 30%. Yeah. And now I don't... That's not their decision to make in a way. Like, it's like you have to communicate that out. And, and I think when they make those kinds of decisions, they really don't realize what it's going to do to people's loyalty. I've, I've even heard th that from the other direction, which is, oh, we're changing the price to be, you know, it's a higher price if it's a more affluent community, mm -hmm. which I sort of support. I like price discrimination <laughs> as an economic thing, but I kind of don't like the idea that, oh, now these rides to poor neighborhoods aren't worth my time, so I'm going to not service that market. Yeah. It's uh, the, the social inequality that, you know, naturally happens and, and sort of how technology just amplifies human biases is, is a real challenge. Uh, you talked about uh, trust as energy. It used to flow up to institutions. Now it's a bit more of a lateral transfer between, between folks. I see how that helps the collaborative economy. And I love that it's not the sharing economy because it seems to me there's less sharing and more... I didn't know who invented that term. People say, oh, did you invent that term? And I said, no, when it first came out, I said, like, in my first, I was like, who invented that term? It's a terrible term. Like, it's, it's not, you know, the behavior isn't sharing. And sharing is like for free. Hey, dude, crash on my couch. Airbnb it's, is, hey, here, where's your credit card? <laughs> it's not, I mean, it doesn't have to be for free. But, you know, when there's a local host and they take me out and they show, that I actually think is sharing. When it's a commercial landlord that owns 250 properties in New York and I never even see yeah. him or even see the person like that, that's not sharing. That's just a new form of consumerism. I, I didn't even mean to go there, but I'm right, glad okay. we did. Uh, <laughs> but I, my real question was going to be about, you know, we, we've hinted about it, but, but it seems to me that when it comes to news and the media, it's nice to have a trustworthy institution at the top. Yeah. I'd rather, you know, The Guardian or The New York Times than uh, my CNN. cousin Vinny. <laughs> yeah, or CNN yeah. Than, than my cousin Vinny and Breitbart. And, uh, you know, wh wh where do you see... How do you see us giving the trust to one direction but not giving it in the other direction? Or, or should we be doing that? I think what's really hard is that while traditional institute media companies are tied to the beast of Facebook, um, you know, they're dependent on that distribution channel. So even if they're producing great quality, trustworthy news, it's still appearing next to ads and fake content. And so yeah. I think that is part of the challenge is that we can't sort these things out. We can't. And so while 
the good news is appearing in the, all these kinds of distribution channels, which is inevitable. It's going to be a problem. And uh, I guess I think I've got time for one more question, which is, you know, my, our, my gut is that people are always going to trust face-to-face -face more than online. But is that true, or is there going to be a point when online is... No, never. That's not going Look, I'm a, I'm a big believer that um, trust does require, you know, like, trust is built through what we call signals. Like, so I'm, I'm reading you right now, right? Like, so there's all these signals as to whether you're trustworthy or not, like the audience is reading me. And what's, what's the answer? What? What's the answer? I didn't, <laughs> do you really want to go there? I no, kind of no, do, but we don't have no, time. No, 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 oh, but, right. no, but you're constantly reading, is this person competent? You're very competent. Are you reliable? Are, you, are your intentions aligned with mine? Do we want the same thing out of this interview? That's very hard to do in a digital environment. But we will make increasingly accelerated decisions how to trust through these digital tools. And I think one of the hardest things and, and one of the most painful things I found actually through writing the books is when people didn't realize they were speaking to a bot versus a human. And you know, the extreme example of this was when I met a woman and she thought she'd fallen in love with a man, and she tried to arrange to meet up with him in the real world, and then she discovered he was actually a cyber lover bot, and he had 10 other relationships that he would have simultaneously. And I remember in this interview, she said, but he was the perfect boyfriend, because uh, he always listened, and he was always there, and he always said the right thing, and that's, that's really... Rachel, we're, I, I've got to stop now, we're out okay. of time, but I'm glad to know that the answer to a question I was asking Will the movie She Ever Come True has come true, but it was he. Her, her. Her, her. her. yeah, you're right, her. Oh, I've been saying she all day, her indeed. Um, thanks so much. Thank you. Great to Take talk care. to you. Thank you for sharing your time with us. For more great insights, you can listen to our following episodes. We would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast, so drop us an email at audio at nbforum.com. Until then, go make a change.